What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, back in the building. Dr. Sean Thomas here, episode 52 of the Be More Today show. We're back, we're back, we're back in the building. And folks, it's been an awesome season. It's been an awesome year. Uh, we're here in the month of March, and I already told you March of my month. I turned 40 this week, so I'm happy about that and uh, very grateful to be alive, to be able to still move and groove and appreciative for the fabulous 40. Uh, thank you for all for the wonderful uh, wishes I've already received from you guys. I really appreciate it. And my March babies, shout out to you. You guys rock. Uh, Be More Today Show is continuing to move forward. We are now in 34 countries and um, it's been a blessing. It's really been cool getting out here and talking to awesome people. Uh, again, our hashtag is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And we've seen that. We've been seeing all kinds of people on the show who have been through journeys and going through struggles and uh, uh, changing careers and lifestyles. And it's been very inspiring to see people um, strive, right, and excel. So those of you who've been listening and supporting our show from the beginning with season two now, I appreciate you and your support for the show is uh, uh, dear and near to my heart. So I appreciate you always. My quote for today is very, very simple. It's from Lucille Ball in the spirit of Women's History Month. And she said, I'd rather regret the things I have done than regret the things I haven't. Um, This is the time of the year where, you know, if you have resolutions for January, January is now long gone. And a lot of people say, yeah, they want to do this and that. But those things happen. And then they kind of fall off as we get into like February and March. So if you want to do something in this life, folks, get out there and do it. Uh, We've already seen from this year that nothing is promised. Life is very, very short and very, very sensitive. And we should appreciate all that we have and all that we can do. So if there's something that you want to do in this life, do it. Um, change your career, change that career. If you're not happy with what you're doing, do it. Um, and, and use this time to really get out there and make no excuses. Really cherish life that you have. Uh, this has been a crazy time for all of us, I think. But people go out there and still being creative and finding new ways to reinvent themselves, to uh, find ways to make it work, find ways to be happy. And um, even if you were at the top of your game, and you're doing something different now or at the bottom of the game, you do something better now. Whatever it is, get out there and recognize that life is yours to, to conquer and to handle. And um, my guest for today is a stellar uh, superstar. He is someone who I met through a program called the SWAG program at Downstate. And um, to me, he's the epitome of so many things. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking all about all the athletes that we've had on the show who have shared their stories and their their, their situation, but this one is a little special to me. Uh, his name is David Brutton Jr. And David Brutton is um, a former American football strong safety and special teamer. Uh, he was drafted by the Denver Broncos in the fourth round of the 2009 NFL draft and played college football at Notre Dame, uh, the Fighting Irish. He was a member of the Washington Redskins also. And Brutton attended Miamisburg High School in Miamisburg, Ohio. Um, he earned all Division One and Two All Area Honors from Drayton Daily News, and won All District Honors on defense. Now his career in the NFL was stellar. Uh, he played four seasons for Notre Dame, were playing as a starter in his junior and senior years. His best season came as a senior when he finished second on the team with 97 total tackles and had a team high four interceptions. In Brenton's final college game, he had an interception at the Hawaii Bowl helping Notre Dame win his first bowl since the 1993 season. Brutton graduated from Notre Dame in 2009 with a bachelor's degree in political science and sociology. Now, Denver Broncos uh, drafted him in the fourth round in 2009 NFL draft. 
and he finished his rookie year, 2009, with 14 tackles. During the lockout, he had taken a job as a substitute teacher in Miamisburg, Ohio. We're going to talk about that because that's very, very interesting. Um, but he provided the Mongols with depth at the safety position, and he was, as it was said, one of the most uh, talented people on the special teams, and he was considered one of the best special teamers in the league. Now, Breton was the Broncos special team captain from 13 to 15, and he went on to get injured, unfortunately, in one of his seasons, but did go on to win a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl number 50. And that was the game where they hit, they beat the Carolina Panthers by a score of 24 to 10. Uh, after playing for the Redskins, he went on to retire in July of 2017, and he announced his retirement after suffering a number of concussions, which I also want to talk about. Um, but his personal life is so vast in the sense that uh, he won the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award in 2015 and was recognized for his community and charity efforts, including his work with his charity, Breton's Books. He is currently a DPT student, Dr. Physical Therapy soon to be, and I'm excited to have him on the show with me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my new friend and an NFL all-star, David Breton Jr. David, what's going on? What's up, man? What's up? Uh, first, happy early birthday. Uh, happy early birthday. Thank you, sir. sir. And then let me just say, why couldn't I be on 50? Because we won Super Bowl 50. I'm on episode 52. I'm going to hit a little different then. But yeah, no. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. I know you're busy. I know you're doing a thousand things. And um, I tried to have you on 50. It's my fault. It's really my fault. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry for that. My life got in the way. But um, I'm just happy you had the time to, to talk to me today a little bit. You and I met through um, the SWAG program at Downstate, uh, a hospital in Brooklyn did for uh, up-and-coming student-athletes and looking at ways to really get them to get interested in uh, health and recognizing that we can be more than athletes. You know, athleticism is great to have, but it can be applied to the field, but also to life. And you and I were on a program together, a panel discussion with a number of different high school athletes who are striving to be uh, future, you know, student athletes. And it was great just talking to you and hearing your story and, and seeing you motivate and inspire the young people as well. I had to have you on the show just for that because uh, in looking at your journey and your bio and your history, uh, uh, I'm super impressed by you and I'm super in awe of all that you've done so far um, and all that you are gonna be doing. Uh, looking forward to what you're doing right now. So um, first of all, how are you? Tell the people where you are and how's your life been with COVID-19 and all things related? Man, well, we're all here in Denver, Colorado still. Um, me, and, me and the family decided to make this home uh, for the time being and currently finishing up my second year going into my third year of PT school here at the University of Colorado, Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. So I got nine months left till, gra till I graduate, graduate in December. So we're pretty much at the home stretch not that I'll have a countdown or anything, but but definitely looking forward to to graduating and getting out there into the, the real world. Um, what else is going on in my end? Shoot. Uh, riding bikes, helping the kids with, with their school, trying to stay on top of my school and remain motivated with this COVID-19 going on. So definitely picked up a few more hobbies um, that I thoroughly enjoy. And then some hobbies that my wife doesn't enjoy, like me trying to fix stuff. She hates when I try to fix stuff because it never goes right. So so I just get on the bike a lot more. Cool. You and I share uh, 
similarities in that I am also not the handiest person in the house. So I was always like, oh, no, I got it. <laughs> so I, I understand that completely. But we're trying. We're trying. Right? Let, her, let her know you're trying. I got this. Oh, it's broken. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, we can't be good at everything. It's all good. So I, I, I read your bio, and again, your story is incredible to me, and, and I know that you've been interviewed a thousand times about football. Um, but, you know, most athletes that I talked to, including myself, played a variety of sports before they started honing in on one craft. Um, why why football? What was it about football that, that really drew you to having that be your thing? Um, and were there other sports that you would have played otherwise if it weren't football? Oh, why football? I think, I think it was probably one of my better sports to play. I, once I got into high school, I stopped playing basketball, so I stuck to two sports. Um, football and track. And I love track. Like track was probably the one sport that I loved more than football, but it just the opportunities and the skill sets and everything that was demanded of me on the track versus football. Like I just excelled more at football in comparison. So definitely took that route and was hoping during my time in college that I'd get a chance to run track and play, play football. Cause um, track's definitely in the family. My mom was a speedster. Tyson Gay is my cousin. So like speed is on my side, like within the family. So I was like, I definitely wanted to go that route. But, you know, it's one of those things like I wasn't really working too hard towards it just came natural to me. And then once it started clicking here my junior year, like I decided to like put a little more effort into it, work a little harder, study a little more. And then it just became natural. And it was just honing in my craft. And a lot of people don't know this because they just think that I was a stellar athlete from junior high all the way through high school, college, and and so on through the pros. My freshman year, I was on the team, but didn't play one snap, not one snap. Sophomore year, they brought up a freshman to play ahead of me. So, so then it's like, I had all these things against me. Obviously, people weren't seeing me yet as being a, a stud or a star athlete in football. And then that was just fuel to motivate me to get better. And then things started clicking mid-junior year, where it's like, Okay, now I'm that guy. Now I'm going to set a new precedent. Now I'm going to have other guys follow follow my lead versus me just staying there in the back. Mm. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I would have never known that or even thought that. Um, I think a lot of people get, they get sidetracked when they see people like you, you know, excelling, doing so well, not thinking that they have to go do anything to get to where they had to be. Um, mm-hmm. But like you shared in our SRAG program, you know, it takes work. You got to put in some work and, and nothing is given. Nothing is given to anybody. Um, so uh, sidebar, Tyson Gay, cousin, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one of my biggest people that, you know, as I ran track and he's one of my people I looked at and, and continue to follow. So uh, it's clearly in the genes, which is always yeah. a good thing to know. Um, but that that's very, very cool. Didn't know that about you at all. Um, Every now and then I'll challenge him like, Hey man, when I come down, come down to Florida or whatever, let's race. No one thing. Well, I'm gonna blow out both my hamstrings trying to keep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I, I, so yes, football became that thing, right? And and I know that for you, um, you know, as a student athlete, as I was as well, okay, not at your level, but um, going to Notre Dame, competing there, and then having to go through the drafting process. Um, when did you decide? Um, in your career, college career, that you wanted to be a, a, a football, a professional football player in the NFL status? And when when did that decision really 
uh, what was it cemented for you that school was going to be held up for a while? I want to do this professionally. This is what I'm going to do. You know, I think it was my it was my junior year. At the end of my junior year, when agents started reaching out to me, um, making it a reality that I could play at the next level. You know, I think there's a theme around my junior year. Junior year is just where I've come into my own and kind of blossom at each level. So I think, you know, once they start reaching out to me, it's like, okay, this could be be my career path for at least a few years. Um, so let's work a little harder. Let's put in a little more time. Not that I wasn't already working hard, but let's let's up the notch a little bit and become that leader and be vocal and things of that nature. And I think that's that was the kick in the butt that told me, you know, this we can make this a reality. Yeah. Now I've I've had a number of, of athletes on the show and I've had some student athletes who um you know, they're not at the college level yet. So they don't know what, what they're about to get hit with. And I tell them that, you know, you think you're good, everybody's good. Um, but again, even at your level, you go from the high school level to the college level and then the NFL, where college level, everyone's good, but then the NFL, everybody and their mom is good, you know? Mm-hmm. So what was it like playing on that stage? Um, uh, I mean, you're a Super Bowl champ, you know, you play with the best of the best. Um, what was it like playing on, on that stage and even in the Super Bowl? Like, what was it like being in those arenas where you just knew that you're playing with the best of the best for your craft in your field? You know, it, it was something something to take in every time you stepped on the field. You never knew when your last opportunity was come. So you heard the old adage, leave everything out on the field. So I kind of tried to go out there with, at every football game, college, pro, just leave everything I got on the field because there's no no telling how long I'll be able to play this game that I love. Um, but as far as like the the skill level and having that mindset to go against these guys who are great, like like you said, everybody and their mom is good at at the balls. Like you you kind of try to tell yourself like I'm here for a reason. Like obviously I'm good enough to be here. So why am I going to doubt myself when everybody else around me, the coaching staff, all that believes in me as well as and my teammates? Why would I have any doubt in myself as far as playing at this level? Mm. Now with the Super Bowl, there's a little more anxiety in there. You know, a lot, a lot more, a lot more coursing through our veins and things of that nature. But it, you always come back down to the basics and the fundamentals. Like even if skill kind of fails you from time to time, just go back to the fundamentals. And I think that's kind of what every sport is like. Oh, you can have the best handles in, in the world in basketball, but you know, you're turning the ball over seven times in the first half, then you're going to change it up. Let's go back to the basics, simple crossover, pick and roll type of stuff versus doing all that fancy Allen Iverson stuff, stuff that kids like to do nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. So it just, just coming back, coming back home and being grounding myself in that moment and not being too worked up and just being myself. And I think you see that in a lot of a lot of professions and in school or whatever. It's like people lose who they are because of what the profession demands of them, what school demands of them. So I just made it a point to just kind of remain myself throughout every game, every situation, every circumstance. That's big time. Um, that's big time coming from you. You know, I, I think that remembering who you are uh, is something that we lose track of in, in all things, whether it's on the field or even at your job. Um, so the fact that you're saying that that can be applied to everything is, is a big time statement. Um, and, you know, even in your level, when you were playing with, you know, guys like Peyton Manning, considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time, possibly, you know, it, it's 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 humbling to know that those same principles apply in all realms. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you know, shout out to Peyton Manning. I, 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 he's a, I love him. I think he's fantastic. And I know you play with him and, and, um, what was it like playing with Peyton Manning? I mean, not many people can say they play with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So, uh, what was your experience playing with him? I'll tell you, it, it was great to be a leader on that team with him. And he, he definitely made me a better player just with the, the vast amount of knowledge that he had. Like I can remember an instance during training camp, his second year here. And he was telling me, he was like, man, brute. Like I can just see how your feet are. I can tell when you're coming down in the, into the box. So I'm able to make a check. Like you're, you have a tell just by how my foot is like, yeah, your right foot's back. So I, whether you're on the left or the right, so you are always coming down. So I was like, okay, now I have to be mindful of my right foot being back while I'm coming down so he can't get a read. Even if I'm coming down late, he knows just by how my right foot is. I'm like, well, that's the next level stuff. So then I started looking at, looking at other players on other teams, like if they had tells, like certain tight ends, like if they're bring, doing an outside breaking route, they had their outside foot up. So that always told me they were breaking out. So it's like, you can pick up on little hints even though he was on the other side of the ball, what he saw helped me as a defensive player. Mm. Mm, that's big time. Yeah, you, like you said, next level stuff. There are levels of this thing. So yeah. uh, <laughs> For sure. that's, that's I think, one of the things that we always, or I always tend to forget that there are different levels to how people uh, attack their lives, right? And how attack they, their crafts. And mm -hmm. you can be baseline, you know, you can do the, the minimal, you can take that thing to the next level. And, you know, it's people like you and like Peyton Manning that have done that in their, in their crafts. So, um, kudos for you guys for reaching that level and and doing that. Now that you're 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 done with football because I know football is you're retired now. And I'm sure you probably have done thousands of talks on on your career. But looking back at the NFL seasons and um, the injuries you had, you had a number of injuries, right? Um, I read about concussions. I read about a game where you actually had an injury. You you fractured your your fibula and you played like 77 plays, still going until you actually came out of the game. You know, that, that's tenacity, I think, by itself. But um, looking at, at the way that the football has handled a number of the different concussions, um, in, incidences, and other things, um, do you think that football is something that, looking back on it now, you still would have done or played? Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think, I think football is something I still would have played. Um, I think it's gave my family and myself great opportunities. Um, and a good life thus far, you know, with with the career, playing eight years in the league and things of that nature, and what will come down in the future with past retirement, with all the other stuff the NFL provides. Um, the only holdup I have as far as like starting, <clears throat> excuse me, starting the kids to play football very young, you know, and as you know, like the brain's not developed. And um, I think football and whatever parents are out there listening, I think football is a, a sport that's not watered down like baseball and basketball. You don't have 17 different type of leagues out there and you have to enroll your kid in every single thing year round. Like football is a, probably the most pure sport out there without the, the demand as far as, you know, we have to get them to batting practice. We have to get them to pitching practice, throwing practice. Or we have to do handle drills and things of that nature. It's one of those one of those games that doesn't re doesn't require the same amount of, and it's going to sound wrong, but doesn't require the same amount of time, energy, and effort from the parent. 
as it as the other sports. And so my my two hangups is it's not it's not as watered down with all the separate leagues, but also the the concussions. I think I think for me, I started seventh grade. So and I think that's that's a good age, good age there. But yeah, seventh, eighth grade, there's no reason to have a child play pee-wee and things of that nature. Because again, coach are the coaches, you know, well versed in concussion management? Can they identify a concussion? Do these pee-wee teams have access to a neurologist or a concussion certified PT or anything along those lines? Or an athletic trainer for that matter? Like there's a there's a lot of things to think about as far as the safety of, of our youth. Yeah, that's why I was trying to ask these questions. I know that you're you're now in a DPT program, soon to be physical therapist yourself. And you know, I'm always curious when people when they look back in, at what they did play and injuries that they did uh, experience, if they would have still played or, or if their kids would have been allowed to play, you know. And 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 I I, I agree with you. A lot of those things. Um, could be better managed um, with the proper care on the sideline, um, proper coaching, proper preparation, all those different things. And those uh, things can definitely hurt um, our young people, especially when you're talking about, I mean, you said seventh grade, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. that's that's super early. I, I've never had a concussion, but again, I didn't play a lot of contact sports. Basketball is probably the most of a contact sport that I played. Um, everything else was like running, you know, track and field. Um, so. Uh, there was no contact like that, but football is that thing um, where, you know, it's, it's the love of the game is, is fantastic, but there is that risk that that can definitely happen. And I do think having, um, like you said, some kind of uh, uh, parameters where people can be just in a safer environment um, will be more beneficial for, for everyone to be playing this game moving forward. It's a great game and you clearly have had so much success with it. Um, and now I think using your knowledge that you have of physical therapy um, and applying that to the the future of the game, and 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 applying that to the future of how the game we played, will be uh, a great uh, credit to your profession. Um, I want to talk about that because I know that for you, um, this is a career change in a sense, right? I mean, you you've gone from um, Super Bowl champ, um, and a lot of people would just cut it there. They would just say, you know what, I'm good, you know, just just live and do whatever they want to do. Um, but I think it takes a special person to say, I, I want to go back and, you know, do something different. Um, not saying it's totally different than what you did on the field, but it's definitely different in terms of uh, now you're on the other side mm-hmm. and you can be actually helping those same athletes and applying what you learned on the field um, to what they're going to be doing. What's that whole journey been like for you um, applying to school and how did it even come about? Well, honestly, Throughout my time in in the league, I knew that I wanted to go back to school. Like every after every season, I looked into taking a class or two after after the season just to get those prereqs. Because I known for a long time that I wanted to be a physical therapist. I known when I was in high school because I did a lot of shadowing and we had a career class and I spent two days a week at um, at a physical therapy clinic in in Miamisburg, Ohio. So like I knew that's what I wanted to do. My freshman year, I was pre-med. Obviously, couldn't hack it pre-med with full-time job as far as a college student athlete. So I knew what I wanted to do even when I got to the league and looked into it. But every time we just got into the playoffs and then we're cutting into into the start of the start of the school the spring semester, 
So I was like, okay, I have to postpone it then, postpone it then. Not saying that's a bad problem to have because it's a good problem. We're going into the playoffs with a chance for the Super Bowl. But I've known for a long time. So after I got that last concussion and realized, you know, I just I want to be able to play with the kids. I want to still be able to function, things of that nature. I've had six that's on record. So just just thinking about that, it's like, you know, I'm going to just apply, apply to get my prereqs right after that my 2016 season with the Redskins. So I jumped into school right away. So the season was over January 2nd. I was in class January 6th. Like I jumped into it right away. So I was taking all my chem, my bio, all that jazz. And I'm going to tell you, tell you right now, like that first three, four months was tough. Like, cause it was a whole different type of learning. Like I didn't, like I had to figure out how to relearn in a classroom. I had to figure out how am I going to adapt my current learning style to, to the classroom? Because we would learn in, in the meeting room in football, and then we'd be on the practice field running through them again versus different routes. So the repetition was there. Okay, how the heck am I going to do it with chemistry? How am I going to do it with bio? How am I going to do it with cell bio, anatomy, things of that nature? So definitely, definitely took those first three months were, were hard. I definitely struggled a lot during those first three months took the prereqs for the next two years and applied to two PT schools, got into them both and decided that I wanted to go to CU and man, it's, it's been great. It's honestly, it's been, it's been a great transition because it's like, I can fall back on my experience with all the exercises that I've had to be put through. And, you know, now it's, now it's like, okay, here's why I was doing it there in, in the training room. And now I can see how I can apply this to, pediatrics, adolescents, adults, geriatric, like I can apply these same principles across the board, concussion, MS, ALS, things. Just now I have a good foundation as to why I'm going here. And then they give you the fundamentals. And at times when you get that complex patient, sometimes you have to fall back to the fundamentals and then let's find a different path. So it's been, it's been a great transition going into the actual program, being able to hone in on that craft and follow another path that I've absolutely loved. Mm. I, I love the um, ability to see it from both ends. You know, I, I love the fact that you're already thinking about your experience and how you're going to apply those to your future patients or even your current patients because you are seeing patients now. So um, yeah, that's, that, that's the beauty of it, right? You being able yeah. to, 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 actually know what someone may be feeling or to mm -hmm. know what someone should be doing because you've already done it yourself. You've already been through that to some extent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's, it's as a therapist, I think it's, it's easier to relate to someone when you've already gone through something, you know, when someone comes to you and they have a concussion, you can say, yeah, well, as someone who's already been through that, I know you're probably going to feel this, you know, or you're mm -hmm. going to feel this. And you can really empathize with them in a different way that a PT or a therapist or any kind of clinician who hasn't experienced that cannot. Yeah. And for them, it's really just books, just book knowledge, it's just book mm -hmm. that you're just throwing at somebody. But for you, it's experience with the knowledge base that you can actually connect to someone on a different level. And, um, you know, there's a reason why I see a lot of the uh, the runners in our area for South Brooklyn, a lot of the um, the high level athletes in our area, because that's that's where I was. You know, I, all, all the dancers I usually see and the runners, I usually see them because I can connect with them in, in a way that, you know, someone who just read about that might not be able to. Mm -hmm. So you having your depth and wealth of knowledge and experiences, you're going to have a great time um, just interacting with so many different people 
um, because you have such a, a depth of knowledge and a depth of experience that you bring to the table. Um, I'm really excited for you. Um, super excited for you. And I don't know, um, are you thinking about specializing in uh, a subset already? You're just going to be in like in a hostel? Like, what are you thinking? Uh, honestly, I want to, I want to have some type of focus or emphasis on concussion and vestibular rehab. I definitely want to be in the ortho realm, but I really want to have that good, strong understanding of concussion and vestibular rehab. So like every concussion or vestibular patient we have at this current clinical, I'm there. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to do the eval. I'm trying to do the discharge. I'm trying to run the bombs. I'm trying to do everything possible, you know, um, to learn as much as I can and then have great tutelage from a uh, neurospecialist at the clinic I am. My last clinical, she was she was specialized in neurology as well. So I've been exposed to it. So I'm definitely definitely feeling a little more comfortable instead of overwhelmed by all the different things that come into play with, with concussion. Now it's like, okay, now I can see everything as different layers and let's let's check off each layer before we move move on to something. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And I think that's uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that nothing happens for, you know, by accident. So, mm-hmm. you know, not saying that your eight was for this, but you know, it the fact that you're gonna be going into that realm, it's it's I think a great service and a great give back to uh potentially to the football community, you know, the NFL maybe even, um, and to the future of everyone who has gone through or will have to go through any kind of concussion rehab. So very, very appreciative for you giving back in that realm. Um, I wanted to ask you two more NFL questions before we talk about your books. Um, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time with the uh, the temperature of our uh, society in terms of race, clearly. Um, I know you live in Denver, uh, which is an interesting place in general, right? Compared to other places like Texas and New York, every place is different. Mm-hmm. But no matter where you live, we've all experienced some kind of something when it comes to racism, Black Lives Matter, um, administration changes, et cetera. Uh, you made a couple of statements in regards to, um, you know, being a, an athlete and having gone through some experiences um, of racism being, you know, even at the top level of your profession. Um, I was curious if, you know, you had any thoughts on, I know there are a lot of athletes who talk about more than an athlete and LeBron James is big up there talking about social issues and other athletes are doing the same. Um, and there's a lot of talk about the NFL in terms of, course, the kneeling and respecting the flag and all kinds of things that were related. Um, but every team, I think, and every sport has found a way in this last year or so to kind of find a way to reconcile, right? Whether it's putting branding on certain la- labels or clothing, whether it's putting certain taglines on certain courts or whatever else. So people are finding a way to to connect with the current situation of our society. Um, but I was curious if you had any thoughts on, um, you know, when it comes to athletes using their platforms for social change or um, just to express their their feelings of, of what they want to see in the world, are you for this? Are you against this? And do you think that um, the term more than an athlete is a positive thing? Or do you think that like others, um, that athletes should just kind of do what they should be doing, playing basketball, playing football, et cetera, and sticking more to their craft as opposed to um, sharing their, their their opinions about the world? Man, I'm a huge proponent of being more than an athlete. I think if as long as you're doing your research, why the heck not use your platform? There's people out there with 1,000 followers, 100 followers, being able to say whatever ever they can on social media based on their type of research. Why the heck can't we? 
why is it that we are deemed uneducated or uh, not knowledgeable about a certain situation, but in the same breath, it's like we have to keep up on top of certain things because it affects our community. These changes in politics affects our community. Like if any type of changes go on, which community is gonna be affected the most first? It's gonna be the African-American community, th those of color. Like that's the communities that are gonna be hit hard by or hit in some type of way by some new bill and some new legislation, some new law. Those are, and it's history has shown that, like that's the community that's been taking the brunt of a lot of these changes. So I think, I think why not use our background? Cause I didn't catch any grief for using my back, my, my platform for starting my educational fund, you know, for Bruton's books. I haven't, haven't had any type of backlash there, but when the election was going on, I made a few points. I said a few things here and there. I made a couple posts like, why is he whining like this? Like his whole, whole ordeal. And then, you know, people come out the woodworks attacking me on Instagram uh, about that. It's like, why can't I use my platform to share, share my knowledge, my insight on, on the election at this, at that current juncture. But when it's to my, my literacy program, y'all don't have anything to say. It's okay to do that. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, I can be more than an athlete to a certain extent. Like once I start bumping up against that, against that ceiling, then, then that's when all the other crap comes on. So there's obviously a ceiling effect to being more than an athlete that people in society accept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's big time. You know, I actually, I, I just watched um, One Night in Miami uh, last week. And, um, you know, it's the story about Jim Brown and Malcolm X all coming together and mm -hmm. Sam Cooke and whatever else. And Jim Brown's actually outside of his house uh, talking to this guy and apparently a friend of his and they're talking, they're talking and, you know, you would have never thought there was any kind of bias between them until, uh, and, and the guy he was talking to was a Caucasian male and uh, they're talking and talking and then um, they both stand up and the, the Caucasian guy proceeds to walk into his house, his, his big mansion house or whatever. And Jim Brown um, did, doesn't even ask to come in, but he, he um, asked if the guy needed help doing anything. And then all of a sudden he just quickly just turned cold and said, Jim, you know the rules here. I can't let you in the house. And uh, the, the scene ends with him standing there and the white guy walking into the house and Jim Brown or the actor Jim Brown just standing there just like, yo, I just sat here and talked to you for like a half an hour, like yeah. we were like, you know, buddy, buddy. And then, you know, when everything goes down, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're back to this, this dynamic. So just interesting seeing how, you know, athletes can be praised for certain things and, and on the same level as others in certain regards, even higher. And to an extent, like you said, that, that ceiling effect happens. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like, yeah, you've gone too far. So mm -hmm. I appreciate your platform, the way you're using it. I do want to talk about the books now. Um, uh, yeah, tell the people about what Bruton's Books is all about. Uh, Bruton's Books is all about childhood literacy. And we're focused on K through third grade. And what we've done in the past is provide books to elementary schools here in, here in Denver, Aurora, Colorado, as well as in Miami, Dayton, Ohio. Um, and we've been very fortunate to partner with United Ways in both Denver and in Dayton to get these books to these kids because we understand that they're, the, the prison sizes are built based on reading levels at third grade. So feeling like we could probably reduce the 
you know, if you think about economics, we can reduce the, reduce the tax dollars towards prison. We can also reduce youth ending up in prison, uh, specifically those of color, by giving them books, by helping them learn to read at a grade proficient level. Now, our whole whole deal also focuses on that summer brain drain. So, you know, what we learned throughout the school year, we kind of, once that school year is over, we forget about it and now it's just all play. Now we're just playing, we're just being kids, right? But there's still that, still that need to at least pick up a book every day, whether that's 20 minutes or things of that nature. But a lot of these kids, a lot of these families don't have access to them. So that's kind of what our deal is. We want, that, we want to increase the accessibility to, to books for the Black community, the Vietnamese community, the any type of Asian community, just the, the whole BIPOC community in general, and just help, help in that regard. And it's a small foundation. It's not big, grandiose, but it's something that we and, and myself, my wife, my friends, those on my board member, we can actually be hands-on and be in the schools and help with these kids, help these kids learn to read at a, at a more proficient level. That's fantastic. Um, you know, I read a little bit about it and, and I'm, I'm happy that you're doing it. It sounds like it's a great initiative and a great nonprofit. Um, I, as someone who has a daughter who's kindergarten age, um, it's so imperative that we really try to help uh, our kids really just to enjoy learning, enjoy reading. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so funny how, you know, you just forget as you get older that someone actually had to teach you how to read. Um, right. as, as we're teaching her now, it's just so funny watching her progression in terms of how she's learning certain things. Um, that just, you know, like, like reading just helps. It helps every single day. Just giving a little more, a little more does help. And for people who don't have that access mm -hmm. to those resources, um, to even simply have a different kind of a book to read every single night, it's a luxury really to think about mm -hmm. that, right? We have mm -hmm. all kinds of books that are in our house, our apartment that are on our, our shelf and we go through them. But like you said, a lot of kids don't have those resources. So um, kudos to you for uh, having an outlet and, and giving back to the community in your, in your way. Um, very, very proud of that. And how can people learn more about um, Bruton's Books? You know, we can go, you can go to brutonsbooks.org. That's B-R-U-T-O-N-S books.org. And you can go in and see like our reading list, books that we kind of want to flood out into the communities here in Denver, there in Dayton, Ohio. Um, you can see all the new things we're doing. COVID definitely put a halt to it because now we can't get into the schools. Um, heck, kids can't even get into the schools or we're back and forth between red, blue, green, like all the colors that are rainbow as far as like our COVID restrictions. So um, definitely am still trying to get books to these kids or fund some type of tutor. So when we start picking things back up and we return to that normalcy, you know, we're able to hit the ground running and let's not let these kids fall behind because I know we're going to see a big increase of kids not reading at grade level with the, with the demand falling on parents who have to work as well. And it's like, what the heck, how are we going to be able to keep up with everything? We got to keep food on the table, lights on in the house, a roof over our head. But now we also have to find time to be there for our kid and teach them. So yeah. definitely, definitely anticipated an influx of, an influx of just not being able to read, children not able to read at grade level. Think of the difference between an iPhone video and a Sundance film. Camera audio versus a studio track. 
a novice, or someone with experience. Sure, each has their place, but which will have maximum impact? Summer Shower Productions, a black-owned, woman-owned production company built to create valuable and inspirational content for you. Whether it's a promotional video, a short film, interviews, event photography, or utilizing our extensive editing and post-production tools to take your already captured content to the next level. We always bring creativity, integrity, and passion to every project we produce. So, consider Summer Shower Productions for your next project. Let's build something great together. Folks, if you're just joining us for the Be More Today Show, episode 52 here. David, I'm here with Super Bowl champion David Bruton Jr. We're talking about all kinds of things. Soon to be Dr. Bruton Jr. I got to say that because it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down in a couple of weeks now. And David, I just want to have a couple of questions for you as we uh, are coming to the second part of the show. I know you're a father. Um, you have three kids. I know you're married. You have uh, Bruton's books. You're doing a thousand different things. You're in PT school right now or finishing up your, your clinicals in life. Uh, how are you balancing all this stuff? Like, How do you balance all of these different things at the same time? That fall, falls back on the wife. <laughs> she, she, she's definitely held, held it together. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't give her her credit, kudos, and a lot of praise because she, she's definitely kept me on top of my stuff, like with discussion boards for class during clinicals. Like, don't you have school to do? Oh, God, yes, I do. Um, She's, you know, making me lunch, bringing me lunch, things of that nature. Just even the little things go go a big, big way. And then when it comes to the kids at school, like she's helping teach, she's doing, she's ripping and running errands, she's taking them to doctor's appointments, or you know, let's get the kids out, and let's go get the nails done. Like she's she's a rock star in that regard. So, um, and then you know, yeah, I. I don't know if I would have been able to do it without her, honestly, because there there is so much going on. Um, and even with COVID happening, life just, it was still moving fast. Like for, for me with being in school, it's now just, now I'm on the screen having to learn us outside of lab. So it's just causing a little more discipline and demand on my part. So again, that's when the sheriff is in town and telling me, don't you got to study? Don't you got to do this? I'm gonna watch my show real quick. You could go over there and study. It's like, well, could you put it on something I don't want to watch? So, so I'm not distracted. So, yeah, honestly, honestly, it's it's been great. But I think when it's something you love, you find a way to make it work. Like everything that I have to balance are things that I love. I love I love getting out there in the community and providing books or trying to help kids learn to read. I love children. I love my family and my kids, so I can balance those two. I love helping people in, in clinic. I love learning. I love learning. So I have four things that I have to balance, but it's all things that I love. And then I make sure, obviously, I have time for myself to go on a bike ride or whatever, just just take time to decompress from a hectic week or a busy week. But yeah, I'm not balancing anything that I don't love. Now it's just, which one do I love more at the time, I guess? <laughs> That's solid. And yeah, shout outs to the wives. You know, it, it's it takes a village, um, especially when you're in grad school. So and then especially if you have kids, it's, it's a game changer, especially if you have more than one kid and you have, you know, you have three. So I think I think it's 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 
a requirement to mm -hmm. thank those who are helping us to get to where we want to go. My wife helped me through PT school so much and um, mm -hmm. from doing special tests on her for random exams, mm -hmm. you know, to whatever else. So it's just a thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's at graduation time when they're sitting there or standing next to you, it's really, it brings everything together because you really, you can't, you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. You really need people around you to get this thing done, especially something like PT school. And for those who don't know, you know, PT school is just as hard now as, as any medical school or PA program, I mean, it's it's just challenging because we have to know so much. And yeah. um, everything from being able to see somebody for the first time without having that referral from an MD to, you know, just having to know everything about the body or as much as we can about the body at all times. It's just one of the up and coming, um, up and coming uh, growing professions that is in high demand. And, and it's hard to get into now because it's gonna be that thing that is gonna be growing even more than it is now. So. Um, you're joining a great profession. Clearly, I love it. I've been in this thing for 10 years now. Nice. And um, I, I didn't know, like you knew you wanted to go into this thing. I had no idea I wanted to be a therapist until you know I was I was 25 years old. So um, mm -hmm. the fact that you knew that from an early age and um, you know, did other things in the interim, but still knew that in the back of your mind, um, you know, is is something that puts you ahead of the other people um, who are still trying to figure things out. But like you said, I mean. Whether you do it when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50, whatever, as long as you get it done. And if it's your passion, doesn't feel like work. You find a way to make it work. So For sure. that makes all kinds of complete sense. Man, um, I think it's funny that you mentioned doing special tests. Like I can remember like two special tests that my wife was just like so bad at me. Like she's like, don't touch me ever again. <laughs> it, oh man, one was a shoulder apprehension test. She was like, oh no, nah, don't, don't ever do that one. And then... Uh, then it was the 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 scour test. Oh yeah. Scour the hip. Oh yeah. She kicked me. She was not happy. <laughs> she was like, "You're never doing another test on me again." So I was like, <laughs> "And I haven't done another test since the hip on there her." You go. I've just been working on the ankle here and there. For <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Although I'm sure she probably wants the massage or the manual work. You know, that's, that's working all on the techniques. Yeah, exactly. No manual techniques today, boo. Sorry. No yeah. soft tissue mobilizations this time. Now we're good. <laughs> um, so, David, listen, I, I asked everybody a couple of different um, world questions. And one of them I have for you is, um, you know, you, 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 you've had the luxury of seeing um, the world from various lenses, right? You've seen the world from the pinnacle of Super Bowl champion and NFL status. You've seen the world also from the student slash working uh, class lens. You've also seen the, the level from the people you work with for your foundation, um, you know, and if you could change one thing about the world that we live in right now, currently, anything about the world that you would change, what's that one thing that you would change to make it a better place? World peace. No, I'm kidding. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> I, I saw Miss Congeniality not too long ago, so that was stuck in my head. Good movie, um, yes. I love Sandra Bullock. That's like my that's my Hollywood crush for some reason. <laughs> but uh, one thing I would change in the world, honestly, I think just follow suit as far as the the medical medical field, as far as like health healthcare accessibility. I think that's 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 going to be huge. Like if there's more if there's more accessibility for the impoverished communities, then do we see a drop in as far as hypertension and and cardiac disease and lung disease and things of that nature? Like, and then these people, 
giving them that opportunity to live a healthy life and not having to be constantly getting checked up on or not having to struggle. How do they create something that is betters the world or something or bring on more opportunities or another another factory or whatnot and give more more employment opportunities to individuals who are struggling? Like, you know, I think there's a there could potentially be a, a cascade effect in that regard. And I think, yeah, that's the one thing I would change. Especially because my parents have heart disease, lung, heart disease, diabetes, things of that nature that all came on later on the line, but it's just their ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big time statement. And I do think that uh, uh, to live in a world where we didn't have all these different health issues would be an amazing place to live in. Um, but yeah, just having access, I mean, the simple access would be, would be by itself a game changer. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate that. Now, you know, Dave, I talked about my book a little bit on our on our swag program show, but I did write a book called Be More Today. It's not a kid's book, but it is a book um, called The 40 Guys to a Better Version of You. And in the book, I basically talk about, you know, ways that people can um, apply things that I learned in terms of my schooling and, and my athletic career and what have you just to life. And it's basically my thesis, actually. It's my thesis from PT school put in a book form, uh, in a 40-day book form. And it's based on this model called the transhumanical model of change, basically like this model of change that we use for uh, behavior change. So, you know, it's not like 21 days to change your diet, but it's definitely a, a, a stage of pro- uh, change protocol that we use to get people who want to work out, finding ways for them to actually change their behavior so they actually do want to work out. We actually based it on a group of adolescents who were uh, obese, uh, minority women, and we use this model to help them to increase their exercise efficacy through dance and horseback riding and some other things in Brooklyn. And it was very uh, effective. So I put it into a book form, um, and I, I put workouts in there and whatever else. But um, be more today is basically the, the the hashtag or the name of the brand that we're putting out there now. And um, I'm always curious to ask everyone what "be more today" that phrase means to them. So you, sir, are the 52nd. Should be 50th. I'm sorry, the 52nd person. <laughs> But I'm asking what Be More Today means to them. So uh, I'm going to call you doctor now, Dr. Brutton Jr. Uh, when you hear the phrase Be More Today, what does that phrase Be More Today mean to you? And uh, what it means is be, be, more, be more engaged. Um, for me, it's like be there more for your family. Be there more for your patient. Be there more for uh, the kids and the who you're trying to reach for your foundation, be more for, for my wife. Like that's when I hear that, it's like, you know, don't take anything for granted and just be present and take advantage of that moment that you have. Um, because that moment is going to come and go just like that. So you want to take full opportunity. Uh, you want to take full advantage of that opportunity of that moment of that day. Because like you said earlier in the show, Life's short. Tomorrow's not promised. There's a lot of things that come in and take. Walking is not even promised to the next day. So, like, why why not take advantage of the day and just be more take advantage of what you have in your life going on right now? Mm. Yeah, man, I'm I'm feeling that. Actually, the lady or the woman we had on the show last week was um in the history of MS Month. She actually has MS, and all she said she wants to do is walk. That's all she wants to do. She hasn't walked in a year. Oh, and um, she was like, yeah, all I want to do is walk. She's 30, she's 30 years old and she can't walk at all. So like you said, just taking advantage of those things and recognizing that it's not promised. And I, I think that you being in the PT field now is going to give 
so much more of an inspiration to other um, athletes, you know, people who have been in your position now and they're transitioning to whatever they're going to do now post their careers. Um, you know, some a lot of people become anchors and sportscasters and what have you. Um, but some really go back to school. And, you know, I, I'm really impressed that you are doing this and, and, and doing it so well. And I think you're going to be trailing, uh, trailblazing a, a, a path that's going to be followed by many, many more to come. So um, besides going back to school, I'm sure you have one thing that you want to do new for 2021. Um, if you could pinpoint one thing that you want to do that was going to be different, one thing you want to start for this year, uh, what would that one, be, one thing be? Oh, I wanted to start one thing in 2020. So like a New Year's resolution? Yeah, sure. Like, this, this, is, this is what I wanted to accomplish this year. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because I feel like, well, me and the wife had our one-year anniversary. So we made it that every, every year is a milestone. Every day is a milestone for us. Like, we appreciate it every day. Um, the kids. Oh, my goodness. Well, if I wanted to do something in 2021, I don't want to go snowboard in Patagonia. Like, if I wanted to do one thing and graduate. Okay, two things. Graduate in December. <laughs> <laughs> make, sure, make sure I graduate and pass that MPTE. Yes. Yes. That sounds good. Yeah, man, I'll take that. Yeah, pass that board exam. Shoot. Oh, yeah. Did um, you take it before you graduated or after? Uh, I took it after, and okay. to be honest, and this is actually, this is kind of how my, my whole podcast and Be More Today came about. I failed my board exam, um, a number of times, not saying that's going to be you at all, but my, my, my journey was, um, I didn't take it seriously the first couple times. I said a couple times, I failed it 11 times, oh. 11 times. Yeah. And, um, I passed on the 12th time and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, Everything happens for a reason, you know. I went to some of the best schools, so I, I it's not like I didn't have a, a comprehension issue, you know. That was not my issue at all. It was just it was a lack of um, diligence to the craft. Mm -hmm. I, I was about the craft, a lack of diligence to like you know really honing in on your craft and really taking advantage of what had to get done. Um, mixed with a little bit of uh, anxiety um, mm -hmm. and a little bit of not being confident and knowing what you know and second guessing mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And um, it took me a long time to actually recognize that because, you know, when you're when you're so good, I mean, you, you can recognize this. And when you're so good at doing so many things, you sometimes take that for granted. And yeah. um, I took a lot of those things for granted to the point where I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? And then I kind of spiraled down to a weird sense of, okay, well, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, maybe I should, maybe I should play football. Maybe I should do something different, you know <laughs> so, um, but you know, through a lot of, like you said, prayer and 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 support from friends and um, you know different ways of just trying to figure out what my issues were. Um, yeah, I took that test that last time. I passed it, and that was that was a while ago. I've been practicing that for ten years, and um, I don't even recognize. It's almost like when you're playing football. I don't even recognize the times that I failed. Like you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't really remember the games you lost. Um, you remember the games you won, you know. And I don't really even remember the, the times that I failed that exam. Um, I couldn't even tell you, although it was 11 times, how many times I, you know, got down on myself and what have you. I can't really remember all those things. I remember it clearly because it happened, but the actual feelings of it, now all I do is remember seeing that pass. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, it, it, I don't think an exam tells tells the story of how you are as a clinician. Like, it's it's a test, and yeah. no matter how many times you you have the confidence, you have you have the ability, and you definitely you graduated. It's now it's just this extra little hump that you had to had to conquer and get over. But man, it doesn't doesn't speak to how you are as a therapist. It's just like I passed this test. Cool. Now now I can do it without having supervision, and now I can do this thing that I love. It's not like I wasn't working on my crap. It was just I was second guessing every dang question here because it was high stress and high stakes. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, exactly. good stuff. Everybody's story is different. Appreciate appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah, and I I wasn't gonna. I I usually well I came to that usually. My initial response was let me not share, you know, because I was like, oh, what are they gonna think of me? I went to all these different schools and supposed to not ever make any mistakes, but mm-hmm. you know, I recognize more and more that sharing is is a way for someone else to get through their own thing and to and to deal with their own issues and it may inspire somebody else who's also struggling on their end to say you know what it's not just me so um that's that's why i shared i've been sharing that with other things in in life as well because um it's helped me to recognize and be humbled by um the, the things that have come now on the tail end from being director and winning all these kinds of awards for other things you know you would have never thought that i had gone through that but mm-hmm. I do think those things made me a, a more humble and a stronger person in the end. So I'm, I'm appreciative of, of all of them, of all of them. So, sure. um, listen, any final tips you want to share with, um, aspiring, uh, physical therapists that are going to be following your, your lead or any tips you want to share for, uh, student athletes who are trying to be in the NFL, um, or anything related to, uh, Bruton's books. So for the student athletes, I'd say the way you do small things, the way you do all things. And that's something that my dad taught me. It's like even the little stuff outside of the field, off of the track, um, outside of the weight room, those things come back and they can be overall be very beneficial for you and your craft. So don't take any chance of film study for granted or studying in the classroom because that study in there can translate to how you study it film for basketball game or football game or anything like that. For Bruton's books, you know, um, it's again, it's about accessibility. And, you know, it's on us, those who have, to help those who have not, you know, whether that is finding a library Dropbox and dropping books off where people can take a book and return a book. I know COVID times are weird, but when we get back to back to some type of normalcy, let's Let's do our part to to provide and help our youth to read at a great level. So, you know, we're not worried about our youth in the future falling into the hands of jail because they can't comprehend what they're reading in high school. Um, and then for aspiring PTs, you know, it's it's a medical school. Like you're going to get knocked down a time or two, and, you know, and how we tell our patients, like when they fall, we give them strategies to, to get up when they're struggling. Like sometimes you have to muscle up, you have to get into that lunge and you have to boot stamp up and stand back up tall and just roll with those punches. You're going you're gonna to get through it. You're going to be great. You're going to have all these tools and don't expect to learn everything. Don't expect to know everything. That's when we have to do our due diligence and have the, have the confidence to look at ourselves and be like, okay, I'm not trained enough in this realm let me refer it to sean let me refer it to the pt who works in the other booth let me refer it to my pt friend who works 20 minutes away from me like just being able to be confident and knowing what you know but knowing what you don't know 
is you'll give your patient the best possible service possible if you know that. Mm-hmm. Well said, sir. Well said. Then where can uh, people follow you and learn more about uh, your journey and your story? Um, well, you can find me on Instagram. I believe it's the underscore B-R-U-T junior 30. Um, same with Twitter. Um, and then you can find me on Facebook, uh, athlete turned PT. Uh, that's a little page that I, that I put together there. So we're just getting up and running there, but every week I kind of open the floor for questions or tell a little bit about my story, let you into my life and my journey thus far. Um, so with more, more to come in the, in the near future. Awesome. Super excited for the future for you. Uh, super excited to see where you're going to be going moving forward. And uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I'm glad to get a chance to speak with you and learn more about your journey as well as let people know about, about mine as well. So appreciate it. Keep Not up the a great problem time. at all. And like we said earlier, folks, Lucille Ball said, I'd rather regret the things I have done than the things I haven't. You already heard David talk about all the things he's been through, even though he's got a Super Bowl ring, even though he's been to the top of his profession, right? Um, he doesn't want to regret going back and finishing what he started. He said he always wanted to be a PT. And, you know, uh, some people say they want to do certain things and never, ever do it. Um, but he said, let me do what I got to do. And let me get back to what I want to do. And he's doing that and doing it well. He's about to be a future doctor of physical therapy in now weeks. So uh, we affirm him. We appreciate him. And if you're in that same situation where you know you want to do something, yo, stop making excuses. Go out there and do it, right? You want to be a videographer. You want to go back to school. You want to start this new job. Do those things. Do it. Life is short. And don't ever think that you can't do it. Like David said, you're going to have days when you get knocked down where you feel like it's going to be too hard, where the hill's going to be too hard to climb, but get out there and just get it done. And even if you follow my story, like I've always told you guys, failure is going to happen. You got to just continue to fail forward. And no one cares what it is at the end, right? When you pass that exam, when you get to that test, you get that job, they still call you doctor, they still call you lawyer, they still call you whatever they want to call you. So get out there and get it done. For more stuff on Be More Today, follow us as always, bemoretoday.com for my book, our music, our workouts on, on uh, our YouTube page, always going out there and continue to watch our podcast and follow our podcast on Anchor and all major podcast platforms. Uh, if you want to email us, as always, be more number two day at gmo.com and the Words for Life podcast continues to come out every single Wednesday. So check my boy T. Farrell out as always doing his thing, uh, giving you inspiring words of comfort to keep you moving and grooving. As always, be more say show every single Monday. So check us out. And for all my March babies, you already know what's going on. As I always say, folks, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life and continue to take your steps of greatness to be the best version of you. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>